bit to have God in the house, eh? I love that. And you bring his presence when you come into this place. He's welcome. So as Pastor Steve comes, why don't we just uh, encourage him? He probably needs it. <laughs> Give him a hand. Thank you. Oh, I know. See you later. Have a seat. You've got to get rid of the good-looking people, that's for sure. Get out of here. Look at this guy, Joel, over here. Great guitar playing, Joel. Um, it wasn't loud enough for my, for my liking, but I guess we've got people to consider. But, um, man, I reckon next Sunday we, we should cut him. You need, you need to cut a good lead break, I reckon. You'd have five girlfriends straight after, that's for sure. <laughs> Where's your brother gone? Where's Nick? What are you doing, man? You had three girlfriends and you've... No wonder you haven't got a girlfriend. <laughs> Doesn't work like that, mate. Look at him, man, alive. Look at the opportunities Nick has. <laughs> now, if, if any of these are your daughters, let me just warn you, keep him away from them. <clears throat> I've got three son-in-laws and I tell you, don't like any of them. <laughs> That's for sure. We've got a deal happening in our family. I hope, I hope this is okay. I'm being a bit... You're allowed to be naughty as long as it's good naughty. Yeah. I mean, there's bad naughty, but there's good naughty. Where's Steve? Where's the youth pastor? Like Steve, he, I reckon he needs to get a bit of good naughty about him. He's a good man, isn't he? Yeah. I reckon, I tell you what, he's a good fellow. He'd be married. Yeah. Who's he married to? My daughter. Oh, your daughter. <laughs> oh, so you don't even like him. That's for sure. <laughs> We have two bricks at our house. Once the two bricks were applied, I loved all my son-in-laws. They're fantastic. I love them after that. We have, immac- we have five immaculate conceptions. Really? Who, is anyone here a father-in-law? Okay, if you're a father-in-law, you get that. You got, your daughters are married to people. You, know, you don't like those people, but you want grandchildren. That's the thing. Um, have, I got, have I got pictures of my grandkids? I know I sent them, but I, we haven't talked, so it would be my fault if you didn't um, get them up. Did we get them? All oh, right, well, I have five grandkids. I have an 11-year-old grandchild. She's fantastic. Uh, Riley, I have a seven-year-old granddaughter. She is seven. I have a three-year-old grandson. His name is Boston. And I have a, um eight-month-old granddaughter. This, ladies, by the way, I know the birth weights of all of our children. No, I am one impressive party trick, I tell you. <laughs> Our first child, Rebecca's 36, she was nine pounds, seven and a half. And um, that should have been the end of our family <laughs> right there. But then we had, um, g'day, what have you been doing? You've been out the back having a, yeah? <laughs> I like that. We've got a smoking section in our church too. I love it. Yeah, and a drinking section. <laughs> I shouldn't say, I'm a total abstainer. I had some of my young adults one time ask me why I don't drink alcohol. And I don't preach against it, but I don't drink alcohol. Some of you say, why don't you drink alcohol? Is it because of you? That's why. That's why. It's causing a lot of trouble. You know, I heard someone say to me, but the Bible says you're allowed to drink, just not get drunk. I said, yeah, okay, what's drunk? And they said, I said, it's 0.05. That's drunk. So I uh, don't see that going on too much. At 0.05, you can't do your job, can't drive your vehicle, can't think straight. So um, bear that in mind. But no, I don't drink alcohol at all. It's a, it's a waste of money for me, personally. I don't preach against it. But um, if people ask, and Simi, you asked. And, uh, <laughs> my young adults did. They asked. I said, well, it's because of you. I just, I just uh, you know, 
I just haven't seen it do a lot of good. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we'll leave that alone. Um, and I ha- so her name is uh, my second daughter's thirty three. She was nine pound ten. <laughs> so we're going the wrong way. So we had a third daughter, Rachel. She was ten pound four. <laughs> That's when my wife left me. And uh, <laughs> uh, we've been married 40 years this year, actually. And, um, and just by the way, just in case some of you, some of you, um, you, you just came for the word. You think this is a total waste of time. But um, do you know that the church is, is maybe the only community group formed, not for its members? What we do is for people not yet in our group, and uh, you know, so I want. If you're visiting today, I, I just I'm either a talking head or I, or I get to tell you I've got a family, I've got responsibilities, I've got people I have to go home and hug, and uh, and then of course we finished after ten pound four. I mean, who'd keep going? And uh, <laughs> and then five years later we had what we what we call in, in the trade a surprise. I said to him, mate, you weren't an accident, but you, you were a surprise. <laughs> and, uh, and now he was 9.10, so we should have kept going. We're on the way back. <laughs> and uh, uh, he's 25. Uh, they're all married and uh, all in church somewhere this morning, which is fantastic. Uh, that's the best part, which is pretty cool. Um, well, we've got to preach. Can we talk about the fundraising first for just one second? Because, you know, um, put your hand up if you're at a stage of life. I'm not saying you're mega wealthy, but you're at the stage of life when you... But when you stop at the petrol station, it doesn't matter if you're not parked where you can see because you just do it till it clicks. Uh, Well, who remembers when you had to park where you could see it? (laughs) Who remembers that? You know, and you you just... And then because of those... they're, They're a little bit touchy those things aren't they so then you have to go under the, the seats of your car to find the extra 25 cents <laughs> who remembers those days yeah they were precious weren't they and um and some of you here are still in those days um I'm not and uh um, not because I'm a smarty but I'm just 58 you know stayed married and uh um but uh, so there's other people. Is anyone else like that? You know, you don't necessarily have to look and click. Yeah, well, yeah. you'd be the people I'm suggesting. Just give a hundred bucks to the camp extreme for crying out loud. <laughs> just give them a hundred. I will. I will. I'm in. I'm on public record. So I will give me a BSB and I'll put a hundred dollars. Because I don't know where Steve is, but I, I'm imagining that what we're doing out here is we're trying to get some kids to go. By kids, we mean teenagers who can't afford it. And their parents are still, you know, looking at the window, at the fuel and, and, and the shopping. And, and so I'm not saying you're mega wealthy, but look, for crying out loud. I mean, it's not my church. I've got a church, I've got to do this too. But I just feel like I've got a charity because people have a real hassle with churches talking about money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people do. And, and unfortunately, they're people who come. They <laughs> <laughs> don't have a hassle talking about your fishing rod because that's what you love the most. You'll even tell me how much you paid for it. Yeah, yeah. You don't mind talking about money if it's what you love. It's only the, so you've got to ask yourself a question. Why am I 
uncomfortable about talking about it here. You'll tell me what you paid for your SS Commodore. You'll tell me what you paid for your caravan. You'll tell me what you paid for the eye fillet you had last night. If you love it, you don't mind talking about it or how much it costs. I've got a charity in my town, just to give you some perspective. They have 40 clients. I'm not going to tell you the name of it. It's a youth charity. It, it helps underprivileged young people. It is paid by our taxes. You know the people that say, you know, the church should be taxed because, you know, well, let me tell you what happens to your taxes. There's a charity in my town. They have 40 in their program of underprivileged young people, people who, and their budget from the government is $5 million a year. So every client costs them $125,000 per annum or $2,500, if I got my math right, $2,500 per week, per young person. And they are not turning out great results, unfortunately. And I, I support them because I, I love what they're doing and I think they're really trying. Did I just hear Nick say that you've got to bring two bucks next week to the youth program? So if you've got, what, 50 kids coming, the budget for our youth group here is $100 a week, five grand for the whole year, for 50 young people, and I would tell you a church like this is turning out a better result for $100 a week than what that organisation is doing for 40 times $2,500 per week. Don't you ever be fooled when they're telling you the church should pay tax. If we said, forget it, let the government do it all, you would be unbelievably surprised how much it costs um, to run a society. And yet we have churches like this, wonderful people, that after they've paid their tax, bring the tithe, give an offering to be able to support. Look at this row of brilliant young people here. You're probably going to be the mayor of the town. You'll be the bank manager. You'll have eight children. One of them will play soccer for Australia. Now, look, I'm not a prophet. You'll be pleased to know that. <laughs> I'm just being anecdotal. But, but, but see, what I'm, I'm trying to say, the mum is in the same category as the bank manager because she is a value, decided she'd stay home, and then her son plays for Australia. And her, so whatever you're chosen, look what this church is producing. Look at Steve up here. Is he not the best young guy you've ever... Every lady in the church wanted him to be their son-in-law. <laughs> I mean, he looked like Buzz Lightyear's twin brother. He's unbelievable. He's so humble, he's not even here to hear this. Unbelievable. Look at these people. Look at this Joel. If only we could have heard him. He's unbelievable. Tell you what. Well, this guy with the Jesus hat on, I tell you what a good... You've got to shake hands with a fellow that wears a Jesus hat for crying out loud. I like you. Are you married? Ah, you should sit over here, man. Don't do it now. Be subtle. Wait till next week. I like you lot. What a great bunch. Where do the ugly people go to church? There must be a Baptist church in town, I suppose. Don't, don't, Don't tell them I said that. I was only kidding. Keep your shirt on. All right. We all laugh at all the things we want to laugh and get offended at where we want to get offended. But I hope you didn't miss what I said. 40 young people, $5 million. And look, if it cost 10, it'd be worth spending if we saved one. 
I'm not, I'm not saying it's a waste of money. You've got to do what you've got to do. But your average church youth group with the same 40 kids is raising 80 bucks a week to run their program. And I would tell you over 10 years, the local church is producing a far better outcome in terms of, of, of citizenship and spiritual foundation and certainty about the future. So um, Port City, thank you for what you're doing. You're a great church. Why don't you just give someone a, give someone a slap on the back? Hey, listen, while you're at it, while you're at it, turn it up a bit for Pastor James and Michelle because um, they are, they're the best of the best. They are the best of the best, there's no doubt. Cool. All righty, so um, I'm married, I've been married 40 years this year. Amazing for a guy 38. And uh, what do you, people always laugh there. I don't get that bit. Um, so I'm 58 years old. What a, my wife is 60, so she's a cougar. Mm, I love that. And uh, if you don't normally come to church, can I just talk to you for a minute and then we'll, we'll get straight into it. Um, and uh, see this here. My son has a drone. Uh, he's an electrician with a company called Chubb. But on the weekends, mind you, he's on the drum roster for, for his church um, about 50 weeks a year. So he works full time. He's married. <laughs> he's buying a house. He's on the drum roster. When he's not on the drum roster, he's on the production team. And, uh, and then he does weddings on the weekends and flies a drone with his phone. Get out of here. Yeah. I just call people. <laughs> Joel, do you know that there's something with this you have never, ever done? You say you do it, but you don't do it. You say, I'm going to hang up, but you've never hung up. That's something your generation don't even know. You don't even know why you say that. But who remembers where you used to actually hang up? So you don't hang up anymore. You just push a button. Yeah, that's how old-fashioned I am. I can remember. Who remembers when there was only one phone like in your whole street? You used to have to go and knock on a door to see if you could maybe book to make a call for a job interview. I mean, sadly, I'm that old and it wasn't that long ago. So, um, but, but here's the deal. For me, you ring people with this. Now, I've been told it takes pictures. Get out! plays music, it's got a kickstarter, you can write it to the shop, it's just, this does everything. So what am I saying? I'm saying this, I know people, Pastor James, that, that you know, they're not sure they want to get connected to God because they don't know enough. I know zip about this, but I found the only way to get to know more was to start by getting connected. So I just got connected. I'm a slow learner. So it's, um, you know, I'm not as smart as some people. I'm on the Facebook, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm getting onto the, well, what is it called? The, the Interwide World Web or whatever it's called. I'm getting there, you know. But, um, but you've got to start by getting connected. So I'll pray for you at the end of the service if you're not connected to God. And maybe you thought you had to know a lot. You don't have to know much. The, in fact, it starts by getting connected. You don't know a lot, then get connected. Now, who read the manual before they got signed up to their phone? Probably no one. You just got signed up. So I'll ask you if you'd like to get connected to God, his love. Um, in that will come forgiveness. In, if you say, God, yes, I want to be connected, he'll forgive you. He'll remove any shame and, and guilt. You, it'll just open up a whole world of opportunity that you'll need to live to eternity to find out about it. And so that'll be at the end.
The other thing I want you to know is that uh, uh, if you're visiting, you need to know this, that we do have a finish time for church. Well, that's the thing I would like to know if I was coming. All right. Uh, I go to movies with my wife's into all the chicky flickies, you know, Sleepless in Seattle, Sound of Music, you know, you name it, whatever it is. I've seen them all. And, um, and really, I just want to know what time it ends. That's, I mean... Don't tell her I said that. She doesn't know. And so you haven't told your wife that. You've come to church with her today and uh, you haven't told her, but you just want to know what time it's over. And uh, I don't know why you're even here. Maybe your football team's not playing, but, uh, you know, you promised you'd come once. This is it. And uh, so, um, so you'll need to know that we... Well, in fact, where's, where's um, the musician people? Well, you just come up when five minutes before I'm supposed to be done. All right, because I don't know when I'm supposed to be done. And I have seven sisters, so I haven't got to talk much in my life. So I like to start, don't know when to stop. Got a lot of untold conversations, done a lot of listening. And uh, so I got, I got seven sisters, three daughters, three granddaughters, a wife, a mother, mother-in-law. Oh, Gladstone's looking better by the minute. And uh, all righty. Alrighty, so um, I want to talk to you about something pretty important today, and I, I, I think I'm aware that a lot of you have been in church a long time, and I have all my life. My dad was a pastor of a church, my mother still is a pastor, dad died this year um, in February, 87, mum's 91, uh, so I've been in church a long time, but what I'm going to share with you, I have never heard preached you might have, so I'm not saying no one did, but I had never heard preached. Um, I, but I think it's so foundationally important that I thought I'd share it with you. When I grew up in church, we used to have, um, AOG churches used to have a, one, a monthly guest night service. I think we all used to have them. And we were told to do what on those nights? Who can tell me what we're told to do? We're told to invite a friend. That's what we're told to do. And some, sometimes we even called them invitation services. And, uh, and so I want to talk about that. Help me, help me here. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> knock, knock. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, the, oh, the. You see, like, one doesn't exist without the other. You know, Donnie and... How old are you, man? <laughs> I thought it was Donnie and, what's her name, Melania. Marie. No, I thought it was Donald Trump. What's his wife's name? <laughs> Get with the program, man. <laughs> I've got, so, so you got no Batman without Robin? Hey, you got no Gilligan without Skipper? <laughs> I love getting helped off the front row here, thank you. You know, you got no Rocky without... Some are saying Bullwinkle, some are saying Stella, whoever, you know. She got no Aussie, Aussie, Aussie without an oi, oi, oi. You got no dun, 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 dun without a, you got, it doesn't exist, you know. You got no hip, hip without a, can't happen. I love going to parties where they're all leaders. Everyone says hip, hip, no one says hooray. <laughs> All right, let's, um, have you got all my scriptures? 
So this first lot are going to be fairly quick. Um, so the, sort of just see how we go. And uh, Don't put them up yet. Don't put them up yet. I sort of cheapish. Uh, <laughs> There's a rule. The rule is in worship, it, comes, it needs to come up a half a line before you need it. All right. In preaching, it comes up a half a line after you say it. All right. Keep the jack in the box. <laughs> But, but look, that's not your fault, of course. Uh, I, we didn't get to talk before, so um, we are flying blind. So I'm going to read a couple of verses to you, and uh, I want you to see if there's a key word. All right? Now, if you're in church a lot, don't wait for me to teach you anything today. I probably won't. One of the biggest words in the Bible is the word remember. Preachers remind us, rarely teach us. I sit down with a guy whose marriage isn't going too good and when you're young, you tell him what he should do. As you get a bit older, you say to him, so what do you think you should do, Bill? They never say, I don't know. I guess I should ring her when I'm late. I guess I should buy her a birthday present. And by the time he's finished telling you everything, he's remembering he should do. He's got a better marriage than me. So it's not teaching today, it's simply reminding. Um, The Bible says, bring to remembrance. So I'll read a few verses here in pretty quick order and see if we can find a key word. Um, And then we'll go on. All right, we're going to start with Matthew 14, 35. It says, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all the sick people to be healed. You may not pick it up. It's subtle. (laughs) I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. John 6, 65. Then he said, that is what I meant when I said that people cannot come. They cannot come. They cannot come unless the father brings them to me. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. All the spirits fled when, the, when he commanded them to leave, and he healed all their sick. Matthew 9, 2, some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9, 32, when they left, some people brought him a man that could not speak because he was possessed of a demon. Matthew 12, 22, then a demon-possessed man who was both blind and unable to talk was brought to Jesus. He, he I don't know, is anyone picking up a word here? Yeah. You got to ask the word, the. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matthew 15, 30, a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who could not speak and many others. They laid them before Jesus and he healed them. Matthew 22, 10. So the servants brought in everyone that could find um, good, bad alike and the banquet hall was filled. Mark 2, 3, four men arrived carrying, that is bringing a paralyzed man on a mat. 
Mark 7.32, a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him and the people begged Jesus to lay hands on him. Mark 8.22, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to him. Luke 4.40, as the sun went down, um, people in the village brought sick people to him. Luke 18.40, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, um, that man should be brought to him. You can't have an Aussie, Aussie, Aussie without an oi, oi, oi. And you can't have an invite without a bring. We've only ever been told half of the lesson. If you're like me, you have invited, seriously, if you are remotely passionate about changing um, God's ability to change a life, you have probably invited a friend to church. Now, by church, I mean the youth group, you know, a sausage sizzle, a family day in the park, something that our group is putting on. You've probably invited them. If I asked you, you'd probably have, I'd have 90% of people put their hand up. If I then asked you, when you invited them, did they say yes? We'd probably still have around 70% of you would have somebody in all those invites that said, oh, yes, I'll come. So you arranged to do what we do, to meet them in the foyer. You told them you'd wait in the car park um, for them or whatever you did. Um, you gave them the address and, um, and you prayed and then you waited for Sunday. And so if 90 plus percent of you have invited, 75% of you would register and the person said yes, we'd probably drop to about 40% of you that said, and they came. And that's a problem. There is something modelled here in the Gospels, and I say the Gospels, God did not hide this in Zephaniah. <laughs> there are some things God put in the Gospels because he wanted you to see them. So there's a, there's a way modelled here. It's no harder really than inviting. I mean, imagine going fishing and so you hire a boat, you buy a fishing rod, you put a hook and a sinker and a tracer and everything, you put the esky in there, but you don't buy bait. My deal is, if you went to all that trouble, you deserve to catch a fish. So I want to show you what I think the Bible teaches us on how to give people an opportunity to meet God. And you're not going to have to do much more than what you're doing now. But I believe for Port City, this could be a day of days if we take this seriously. And of course, we're talking about the ministry of bringing. Not preaching, just bringing. Look at John 4.36. It says here, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they, have harv they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Um, let's put up Luke 14. I've got a story to, to show you here. It says here, then he said to them, a certain man, let's, let's read it off here. It says, a certain man gave a great supper and look at that word, invited many and sent his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. Now this word invite is, um, comes from a Greek word, kalio. 
and it means this. You're welcome. We love you at Port City. Anyone can come. That's what this word means. And we do it well. And look what it says here. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen or a new Malu ute to modernise it. A new Malibu boat. I must, and it rained last night. It did rain this morning. You just weren't up early enough to see it. Um, there's water in the lake. I've got to go and try it out. Still another verse 20 said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house being angry said to him, he's not angry at the people. He's just angry at the situation. That's all. Um, he said to his servants, go out quickly into the streets and lanes. And look what it says now. This is in your Bible. And this is a New King James Version. And bring them. This is the Greek word asago, which means to compel. It means to pick up and put in your car. And it means to go to their address. Wait for them on the footpath for them to get in your car and bring them. And then it says, pretty soon, the hall was full. Why haven't we seen this? I've been told to invite my friends all my life. I used to be a boilermaker and I um, used to do shipbuilding. And I invited so many people to church. I was passionate about Jesus. I used to run a lunchtime club, not a club, but just, you know, there were a few other Christians at my workplace. And so we decided, let's get together on the Thursday and, you know, not preach on the corner, but just let's shine a light for, for the Lord and Christianity. And boy, didn't that turn the heat up in the workplace, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, didn't that turn up the pressure? And look, if you're having trouble living like a Christian in your workplace, tell them you're a Christian. They'll keep you honest. <laughs> Nothing like your unsaved friends to keep you honest. Are Christians allowed to go home five minutes early? Oh, oh no. Okay, I'm going back. <laughs> Are Christians allowed to come to work late? Oh, it's the last time I was late. <laughs> Just tell your mates you're a Christian. They'll help you. <laughs> You'll be a saint in a week. <laughs> so I invited so many people. I told them where our church was. I told them how good the music could be. I told them, you know, Nick and Joel will be here. They're single, you know. It's like, like, you know, the place is full of chicks. You know, you just don't want, you know, I was a boilermaker back then. See how you talk back then. You know, oh, Mike, done this, done that. Yeah, yeah, we want to come. <laughs> I wait out there in the foyer. All of you walk past me and you say, what are you doing out here? I'm waiting for my friend. They're coming. They told me they're coming. And of course, they're going through a tragedy. So that's why they said yes. So, but on Monday, what happens? I go and say, what happened here? You said you were coming. Am I the only one? And they say, oh, my ear was coming. But I bought a new ute. My mates dropped over. This guy hasn't even got any mates. He's never had a mate drop over in the last 27 years. But the 
day he's coming to church, some mate from grade six that he owed $5 to in the big lunch line suddenly turns up to get his money back. And you say there's not a devil. Oh, hang on. I can hear you. Oh, devil doesn't do that. Oh, what, what does he do? Oh, I know. He waits in their cupboard in a red leotard <laughs> with a pitchfork. And when they open it up, of course, they think they've got to wear a college shirt to church. And um, so they, when they open it up to get the college shirt, he jumps out and goes, <laughs> Can I say this to you? If that's what he did do, they would be here. <laughs> Am I right? They would be here before you. <laughs> the Bible says he's crafty and he's wily. And so the sort of things I've heard my friends say is, oh, mate, you know, we were ready. And just as soon as we were walking out the door, the baby... Oh, on my only collared shirt. Now, you wouldn't have cared if he came without a shirt. But he doesn't know that because you didn't give him a one-hour course on the dress code of your church. You just invited him. Well, here's the good news. The Bible says, um, or the Bible models, that we don't just have to invite. Look, invite is the hip-hip. But without a, a, a bring, there's no hooray. The invite is the dun 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 dun, but the bring is the dun dun. The invite is the Aussie, 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 but the bring is the oi, oi, oi. There's no hedge with our tails. I just don't know how crippled people get there. He said, my friends aren't crippled. Talk to a bankrupt person, mate. That's crippling. Talk to a sexually abused person. They're deaf to I love you. Am I right? Yeah. We've got to be spiritual. We're talking blindness. We have literally crippled people here that were carried. But that's a metaphor for us. Our friends are crippled. Life has beat them up. They don't, they, they're not decisive. They can't make these decisions. They can make these decisions in every other area of their life, but they can't make these decisions. And so what the Bible models for us is the simplicity, and I don't know how we haven't seen it, is that all I gotta do is bring them. Three quick things. One, the purpose of bringing. Listen to this carefully. The whole purpose of bringing is to give those an opportunity to meet Jesus, listen to me carefully, who other than being brought in high probability would never meet him. Mark 2, he's a crippled guy. So four people carry him. Mark 7, he's a deaf guy. So people don't say, did you know that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life? You've got to hear me, son. He's not hearing you. Mark 8, you've got to come to our church. It's just down there and then take a right and then go left, you know, just behind the big tree, okay? You'll see our building. He's not seeing it. Might as well invite a crippled kid up the, up the flight of stairs to a three-course meal. You can't invite them. You've got to bring them. That's the purpose of bringing. 
I was brought to church as a child, by the way. I know things have changed. Now we want to have a debate with four-year-old Johnny. Want to ring his social worker to see if, um, you know. My mother's got 12 children, 12 in 16 years. Um, her, her husband was gone when I was 13. And um, so when I was about nine, I remember I didn't want to go to church. I'm like any other kid, you know. So I hid my shoe. My mother used to get all the gear ready the night before just to be ready on time. So I hid my shoe. I thought, this will do it. I won't be able to go. My mother's such a stickler for being tidy. So I come, Mum, I can't find my shoe. I'm nine. So I just figure, I have to stay home. And so next thing, she didn't listen to that. She just rushes off to the cupboard. Oh, what's she going? She wants to go in and get the Scrabble so I can play Scrabble while she goes to church. Well, she'd come back with a big medicine thing with bandages, bandaged up my whole foot, put a sock on, and just said limp. <laughs> I figured from that I was going to be brought to church. My mother never invited me to church. For the record, she never invited me to wash the dishes either. She just brought me the tea towel and said, it's over there, son. See how you go. This is your house. All right, the power of bringing. What's the power of bringing? Now, please, I've got to be quicker. I've got to be quicker because I'm looking at the clock here and pretty soon we're going to be joined on stage by, by you know, Nanamus Guru, Phil Collins and all the crew. So... Uh, But have a look here. Can I read this to you? There's a couple of things. Number one, we take responsibility for the power of spiritual opposition. Look, look at Ephesians 6. You're, if you're a Christian, I hope, you've, I hope you've read this. It says, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities in an unseen world. Against mighty powers in a dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Your friends are naive to this spiritual battle. You are not. I can be coming here this morning and I have a flat tire. Believe it or not, I change it and keep coming. Because I know there's a devil. Remember, he's not jumping out the cupboard in a red suit. He's just wily and crafty. Well, to these uninitiated, you might as well set a deer loose in the forest in hunting season with a target on their back and say, good luck. <laughs> There's a spiritual opposition. And so when we say we invite them, we leave them to combat all of that. But I am spiritually aware. Here's a story. I invited my fish and chip guy, Mario, to come to church. We had a thing on called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. I remember that. Oh, a lot of Christians didn't like that. Oh, you shouldn't be scaring people. What do you mean scaring people? Well, you've got the devil there. That's not the devil. That's Steve in a bikey suit. <laughs> that's the youth pastor dressed up. I, think, I say, look at me, brother Christian. That's not the devil. There is a devil and that ain't him. That's the youth pastor going, ho, 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 ho in a borrowed bikey jacket. But there is a devil. Yeah. I had someone say to me, well, you shouldn't be make people make an emotional decision. <laughs> Excuse me, madam, I'm from the local fire department. 
don't want to alarm you, but your house is on fire. <laughs> we don't want to get emotional about it. Just thought we'd give you the facts. <laughs> well, I thank you for that because I don't make emotional decisions. I'm going to go inside and I'm going to weigh up the pros and the cons. <laughs> what a load of bull. Where do we get this nonsense? Just ask yourself, is the guy giving you the information telling the truth? If he's telling the truth, just give yourself permission to get as emotional as you need to because that will trigger the energy to do what you need to do. I'm hoping, I had a guy in my church got saved. He was a local salesman at a motorcycle shop, Russ McCoy. And I, I'd never met him before, but I knew he hadn't been before. He put his hand up to say he wanted to connect to God. So I went to introduce him and said, G'day, buddy, how'd that go today? He said, scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I said, good. <laughs> that was pretty well the intention. Now, I didn't do it with trickery and lies. I did it with the truth. Don't ever think you can't get emotional. Just get emotional for the truth. So anyway, I invite Mario. But because I've learned this, I thought, uh, he said, yeah, right, I'll come. I said, no, better, I'll pick you up. I said, where will you be Monday night? He said, well, here at the fish and chip shop. I said, okay, well, I'll pick you up. So I turned up to his, his um, fish and chip shop, and this is, this is what happened. This is what happened. I walked in the shop, and he's over here at the deep fryer, and I saw him go. Ask yourself, was he going to make it? I don't think so. I just looked back at him and said, I'll wait, all good. <laughs> no, I didn't do that, but, but I was doing it inside because I know what's going on. There's no red suit and a pitchfork, but there's a wily, crafty, what does 2 Corinthians 4, 4 say? It says, the God of this world blindfolds lest they see the light of the gospel. We just got old Wiley Fox putting a blindfold on him right now. He's lost track of time. And so he starts barking orders to team members as he's walking out, taking off his apron, dust and batter off himself. And within a minute or two, we're on our way to heaven's gates, hell's flames, where he put his hand up and responded to Christ. He wasn't going to get there with an invitation. He wanted to come with an invitation but it took someone who had the initiative spiritually to understand. Luke 10, Good Samaritan. Forgive me if you've not, it's in the Bible, Luke 10. Um, Dr. Luke wrote this story. He meets a guy on the side of the road. And so he says to the guy, you don't look like you've had a really good day. And the guy goes, ooh, ooh. well, you'll be pleased to know I come from Port City Church. It's Awesome rad. If you hear this, suddenly we've got a sausage sizzle. So here's the address. All the best. <laughs> what did he do? What did he do in the story? This is this is brilliant. I'm gonna finish here because time's time's up. I think you've got what I'm saying. It's not a hard lesson to learn. We're scared of witnessing. What will we say? Well, let's Luke 10. I haven't got it on the screen for you, I don't think. Oh, we have got bits of it. But read the rest of it and, and watch this. This is what happened. All right, it says, he came. 
No preaching yet. He saw. He felt. He bandaged. He poured wine, Dettol, oil, Denkerub. He put on his donkey. He took, brought him to the inn, Port City Christian Church. What's he said so far? Nothing. Jesus told this story about how to win people to the love of God. You might have grown up thinking you're supposed to be a preacher. No, you're supposed to be a Christian. No talking necessary. Now, he does talk in the story just for the record. He does talk, but not to the person. I don't know if if some of you will know the story. He said to the man at Port City, this is my friend, I'm paraphrasing. I met him, I brought him. Um, Can you help me look after him? Now, now he he didn't say, he's yours, pastor. He said, I'm in this. Uh, Whatever the bill is, this is the only thing he says in the whole story. Whatever the bill is, I'm good for it. But he didn't stop there. He said, oh, but if if the bill's more than, than we thought... I'm good for that too. But don't talk about money in church. The only thing Jesus says in the whole story about winning people to Christ is pay the bill. That's all he says. I, had a, I was walking up the street and I'm, I am finishing. Now this guy I'm going to talk about wasn't a Christian, but it does illustrate. I'm walking up the street in, at my home. I live in, in those days, I lived in Springwood in Brisbane, in Logan. And uh, my next-door neighbour's the secretary of the Mustang Club in uh, Queensland, Australia, something like that. Good guy, by the way. But he's got a, five, a GT500 Shelby. Um, uh, this thing's worth 150000 It's a 70s model Mustang. Very special vehicle. I'm walking up the street. It's about 35, 36 degrees. And, um, and so John's his name. John pulls up beside me. And he does this to me. He goes, he looks me up and down. I'm wearing a pair of shorts, tank top, it's hot. I'm probably sweating. And he says this to me, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm going to the shop, get some milk and bread. And he looks up, <laughs> he looked me up and down again. I'm telling you the truth. And then he said this, I'd give you a lift if I wasn't in the Mustang. <laughs> oh, I said, well, Jiminy John, I feel important now. <laughs> Listen, I don't mind you having a sports car. Just don't bring it Sunday. Bring the minivan. Because you need to get blood on your saddle. I don't want to have a connect group. The young children in the church kicked out my fly screen eight years ago when I had one. (laughs) Yeah, my wife doesn't let the kids sleep in the beds because I keep mucking them up. For $5, you can buy a little wheel at Bunnings to put the screen back in. You'll learn to do it in about a minute after Connect Group every week. He didn't say, well, you know what? Stay here. Next week, I'll be along with my mule with an old saddle, and I'll put you on and take you. Now, it's very inconvenient. 
but he put him on and he took him. You're already inviting people to church, but why don't you just now do what, what the Bible's shown us here? So this is how it'll work. Hey, listen, we've got a great thing on next week. I wonder if you'd like to come, you know. Now, there's a connection. Maybe they've, you know, had a, a son die of cancer or they've lost their job. You know, there's, there's a, an emotional opening in their life. That's how God works. And you're not an opportunist. You're just taking the opportunity to connect someone to God's love. So they say, look, I know you'd love it. And then they'll say, this, oh, thanks, yeah. They say, look, hey, hey, better still. Um, why don't I come to your house and pick you up? That's all you got to do. And then you bring them. And then on the way home, they'll have a lot of questions. Remember the woman, the woman at the well that Jesus talked to, John 4? Do you know what she said to her town folk? She said, come and meet a man. She didn't say, go and meet a man. She brought them. Yes. And it says they asked her questions all the way. So when you, when you bring them, Mario asked a lot of questions on the way and we only had two kilometres. And then he asked a whole lot more on the way home. And it's a safe environment from to ask you questions. I think we can do this. I honestly think this can herald a breakthrough in our church. Because I feel I'm talking to people that want to see their friends and relatives come in, into God's love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence. I pray that you would, I pray that this might be one of those words, and this is a, this is a, a big prayer, but one of those words that sort of annoys us beyond Sunday lunch. You know, it's sort of just, it's something we're still thinking about. The next time we go to invite someone, which is a good thing to do, but we'll understand there's something beyond the knock-knock. There's something beyond the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And we'll then say, hey, why don't I bring you? Why don't I pick you up? I ask this in Jesus' name. And while your head's bowed, just keep your head bowed for a moment. If you're not connected to God in a vibrant way, could I pray for you before we leave? I won't, I won't ask you to do anything else except look at me and raise your hand. I'll look around the building and I'll ask if, you, if I can pray for you. If you want to be connected to God, then simply look at me and raise your hand. And if you do that, I'll see you. I'll say, put it down. So I'm looking right now. If you say, God bless you, I'll pray for you. Someone else, look at me. I'll pray for you. Just look at me, raise your hand. Maybe you used to be. God bless you, I'll pray for you. That's cool. Maybe you used to be, but you're not now. God bless you, buddy. Put it down now. I'll pray for you. Someone else. Look at, God bless you, sir. Someone else, look at me. God bless you, sir. I'll pray for you. Someone else, look at me. Just raise your hand. You've wanted this. See, there's, 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 then there's the privilege of being brought. Is there one other? Just look at me. Raise your hand. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for this dear lady here in the very back. First hand up. I pray you'd bless her. I pray you'd be good to her. This young man here. Lord, this young lady here. This gentleman here. And this gentleman here. I pray for each of these that have raised a hand today. Lord, it's a, it's a physical hand on the outside, but it's, if I could take the privilege to say, it's really opening their heart, the very core centre of their being, to your love, your forgiveness, to a brand new start. So I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor James. Come on. Could we just stand as we close?
And we're just going to sing one song, and then we're going to let you have an incredible lunch together. If you can stick around, uh, connect, just say hello to someone. We'd love to uh, just have you this morning, stay for a moment. If you've got a big lunch in the oven and you didn't know about the sausage season, well, that's fine, let you go. But if you haven't got anything else, you're welcome to stay. Is that cool? Be great. Thanks, Kate. Come on. <laughs>